Howdy gamers, it's Leighton here from Leighton Night, the podcast that you're currently listening to in case you accidentally stumbled upon this, in which case I am sorry, but just wanted to let you know that there is a video version of this episode that is up on our Patreon for all tiers. So if you want to join us over there, depending on the tier, you can get all sorts of cool benefits. We do mini-sodes every week. We do some fun videos. Uh, You get access to our fan discord and overall it's a really lovely time and we would love to have you there. So without any further ado, here is the audio version of this episode. So if you want to do the video version, you can go to patreon.com slash Leighton Night or not. Really whatever floats your boat. Anyway, episode... So what we were just talking about, Simon, is how much you hate your name. My username, yeah. Well, you know what? Fuck. We're going to introduce our guest right away this time, which... (gasps) Oh, my God. I know. Is this a late night first? Yeah. I mean, we're probably like less than two minutes into the episode, and we're talking about it directly, so I think it's going to help. Wait, do we want to pretend to like actually know what we're doing and like introduce the show at the beginning of the show and introduce our guest and shit? You know what? Let's try to do a professional introduction. Is this what you're... Yeah. Suggesting? It's only taken 67 episodes. I don't know why I looked at my watch for that, but... (laughs) And also, you're going to have to do that every time from now on, so be cautious about that. Yes. As with every episode, once we establish a precedent, we're very careful about sticking to it for the future. That's true. All right. We're going to put some, like, fun music under this. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Late Night Podcast with me, Brian Wecht. This is Late Night with Brian Wecht with me, Brian Wecht. Please welcome my co-host for today, Leighton Gray. Yeah, hi, that's me. I'm only the co-host sometimes. Just frequent guest. Hi, I'm Leighton. This is the podcast for the Terminally Online or something. I need you to match my energy here. I am so excited to have our guest here joining us on... (laughs) On Late Night with Brian Wecht, <laughs> which is the podcast you're listening to. Uh, beautiful mystery guest, would you care to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Discount Dan Avedan because I also have long hair. That's right, and everyone with long hair is secretly Dan. Also known as Simon or Shuchiru, and I make funny faces sometimes. Yeah, both with your face and with your hand. And with my belly as well. Yes. <laughs> we are very happy today. I'm going to keep it professional for a minute to have animator, illustrator, social gadfly, Simon Mako on the show. What was the last one? Social gadfly. What the fuck is that? It's someone who basically causes trouble for people. Yes, that's me. You're a provocateur. 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 I love that. Well, yes, thank you for having me. So, Pronounce your name in the accent in which you would normally say it, your first and last name. My real name in Danish is Simon Mako, and everybody says Mako, which is a thing. Wait, do side by side, do Danish, and then what everybody says? All right, everybody says Mako, but I say Mako. (laughs) Mako. It's the difference between a and a, is that right? Yeah, it's a big difference. And the I is the European I, so it's not Simon, it's Simon. Yeah. Semen. Uh, which? Hold on. Semen. Yeah. Which is close to that other thing you don't want to be close to. So I just go by Simon usually. <laughs> Probably. 
rather than semen macker. Well, it was nice to be here for all of five minutes. <laughs> yeah, we did our very professional intro and then it turned into Brian negging our guest for his name. You know. It's not negging if they secretly love it. It's just nutting. Everybody does it. Can I try it? Yes. Semen Mako. Beautiful. Wonderful. Okay. Spotless. Honorary Dane. Got him. But, Brian, yes. can you say Holkolmeflul? No, I'm not going to do that. You fucking Danish guys with all the... Okay. <laughs> do you want to explain this thing that Danes do to non-Danes? I would imagine specifically to non-Scandinavians, not just non-Danes. We only do it to Americans because it's only Americans who can't do it. Danish people love how fucked up their stupid languages mm-hmm. and how the pronunciation makes essentially no sense to anybody but themselves. And so they like to show this specific phrase, which I believe is a kind of dessert. Is that right? It is. Yeah. yeah to people and laugh amongst themselves as the non-Danes can't see it. It is the only culture we have besides <laughs> drinking, so I think we're allowed to have this one. <laughs> wow. When you read it, it looks like the phrase, and I, I don't exactly remember, but it looks like rod grod mod flutter. Yeah. Or something like that, right? And there's lots of bullshitty lines and dots and shit. Yeah. That's pretty much all of like the Scandinavian languages in a nutshell. Bullshitty lines and dots and shit? <laughs> I'm going to put it in the chat because I swear to God, every Danish person I know has done this Mm -hmm. to me at some point. It's like a national joke, right? Yeah. I remember meeting you at the NSB concert and I was so excited to show you that. You looked like you had heard it like a thousand times before. Well, it's because (laughs) I worked with a lot of Danish people here. Leighton, look in the chat. That thing. All right. I really appreciate just some lines in there. I love to see lines and letters. Now, Simon, pronounce that as it should be pronounced, please. Okay. Hold, hold, my flu. That makes sense. My dog liked that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's like a known thing. It's kind of a meme, basically, right? It is a meme, yes. And what is the actual thing? I think it's like a berry porridge with cream. That sounds really good. It says red berry pudding yeah. is the thing I'm looking at here. Although I don't know if that's pudding in the... British sense as just dessert, or if it's like an actual pudding. It's like oatmeal. My dog's weighing in on this debate. Do you want to put her in her little environment? Do you want to put her down? Yeah, I am going to do that. By the way, my girlfriend probably will arrive at some point, and she is just loud by nature, so I'm going to have to put her down too. Okay. So. (laughs) Wow. You know what put her down means in colloquial English, right? No, what does it mean, Brian? It means to kill. Oh, I'm going to have to kill her then. Yes. You know what? Actually, you'll use it for kids too, meaning put them to sleep, just like for the nap or whatever. But definitely, if you say put my dog down, that means I have to kill my dog. Okay. What the fuck? I leave for two seconds. (laughs) What's happening? Just cultural stuff, differences. Just guys hanging out. Talking about putting down dogs. But Layden, okay, you were going to talk, I think, before about something else. Well, we were going to talk about something else, something else, which was going to be Simon talking about username woes. Oh, yes, of course. Which I think was the whole point of us introducing at the very top. Okay, great. I can do this like a real talk show host. Yes. So it says here, Simon, that you don't like your username very much. Uh, Could you talk about that a little bit? Let me paint you a picture. A 12-year-old has read Naruto and Dragon Ball Z and wants to draw his own manga. So he wants like a badass hero name. So he takes like three different names from both mangas and just stuffs them together. 
Mm-hmm. And that's Shucharu oh. or Shucharu as it's meant to be pronounced. I did not oh. know that origin for it. <laughs> also, you wouldn't say Dragon Ball Z? I would say Z, but I say Z because that's what they say in the show. Yes. Yeah. I see. So you just wanted to smush these things together and you thought people will see this and pronounce it Shucharu. Mm-hmm. And no one has done that. Yeah. <laughs> I think only Jack's films has pronounced it that way. Oh, sweet boy. And I think that confirms that he's a fucking weeaboo at heart. Yeah. You know, YouTube was new and big, so I put it on my YouTube, and I didn't think I was going to do things on YouTube, and I definitely didn't want to make a new one, so <laughs> it just stuck. And now you're stuck with it kind of for life. Although Aaron is probably a good example of... He still uses it occasionally, but it's more like referring to this stuff he used to do. Right. The artist formerly known as Ego Raptor. Yeah. I mean, it's still out there. I don't think he like hates it or anything, but it's not a part of like the stuff he puts out anymore. Yeah. Ego Raptor is pretty much like a meme name now in terms of him. Yeah. Did you see that cameo I asked him to do for me? I think I did, but I can't remember. I pretty much asked him to print out a picture I drew of him with a huge ass and he had to eat it. <laughs> Did he do it? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I didn't see this because I have no memory of that. And so I just replied, you know, my biggest dream has always been having my art inside of Eagle Raptor. So I, I used that as a sort of like a meme. <laughs> and of course he knew it was you, right? No, he knew it was me. I started to, like when I sign my drawings, I write my real name and I put my real name in my videos now. So yeah, kind of moving away from it, hopefully. I think you're moving into Simon Shuchiru Mako territory <laughs> instead of just Shuchiru, which is basically what Aaron does sometimes, right? Aaron, Ego, Raptor, Hanson. And then you let that sit for a while, then it just becomes your real name. Right. Legally, that's how it works. <laughs> Brian, you, you picked a thing where your real name is actually in your fucking username thing. Yeah. Which is really smart. That was not part of the consideration at all when, when we did it. But yes, it has worked out very well. What I was going to say before, actually, is something I think that is kind of a generational divide. And I'm right on the cusp of this is having an embarrassing username that follows you through the rest of your life. I am of the age where people were just starting to sign up for email, like when I was in like probably high school and stuff. And a few usernames have moved over, but those are pretty easy to get away from if you really want. So I feel like I'm just on the cusp of that. And then people even a little younger than me, like people who are in their early 40s, that's where you can really have something that you're like, oh God, that was a mistake. And I wish I had never, ever picked that name. And then it just kind of follows you forever. Well, at least for the kids today, they can start with their very own full real name and then they're, you know, born 96 at the end of it. And that now all of their humiliating shit will be tied to their real name forever and ever, which clearly seems like the better option here. Yeah. Did I ever tell you, Leighton, I squatted on accounts for Audrey? I still have them <laughs> on email and Twitter and Instagram because I didn't want someone else taking them. Why need a trust fund when you can simply be like, all right. Yeah. My beautiful child, you have turned 21. I bequeath upon you your accounts. Here's your Twitter account. Oh, I also found, I don't know if I've ever told you this, because I got this this Gmail account, which is her name, like when Rachel was pregnant with her. And for the first year, I exclusively used it to send aggressive emails to people as if they were from her and she was just trolling them. And so... I haven't done this for a while, but I have a bunch of emails which are just like, 
hey, fucker, what's up? It's Audrey. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was very, very funny. And quickly realized that when she inherits this account in whatever, I don't know, probably. Two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Let's say when she's 13, so like six more years, which first of all is fucked up. Yeah. She's going to see all these sent messages and be like, dad, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) oh, probably a mistake. You honestly don't think she's going to be like enjoying it or be proud or something? Well, you know, that's one of those things. You never know when you're a teenager. Are you going to be embarrassed by everything your very, very cool father did? Well, okay, or yeah. yes. are you going to realize how awesome and cool it was? And, you know, smart money is not on the realize how awesome and cool it was side of that coin. Pretty much no matter what you do with as much like retrospect you can possibly give yourself, your child will always be embarrassed of you. Oh, yeah. She's definitely embarrassed about me right now. And she's seven. So she is at a stage where she doesn't want to be seen with me in public. I'll say something and she'll like literally do like, you know, wave me away when we're walking around. She loves the full arm like wave. Yes. It's very charming. She did that a lot in y'all's little performance. Yes. Such a specifically dismissive motion to come from a seven-year-old. Yeah. So the performance that Layden's talking about is for a concert at Audrey's school. Our family performed the classic Broadway song from Annie Get Your Gun, Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better. And Rachel and Audrey sang it. Do you know this song, Simon? No. You know, Annie Get Your Gun is, what's it from? 50s, maybe? I can't remember. But it's like two people, you know, anything you can do, I can do better. I can sing anything higher than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you. It's like a classic song. And so Rachel and Audrey performed it, and we made a little video, and I sent it to Layton. And Audrey spent the entire time stealing focus from Rachel, like Layton was saying, like waving her off dismissively, like, get out of here, you know, you idiot. Audrey is full on, like, capital A acting. It's acting incredible. She's really, really, like, giving it her all. And it's very, very cute. And she's like hitting notes and getting the rhythm and she's fun. I was very impressed. Like the kids got it. That's fucking adorable. Brian, she has your like brow bone and she has those little bangs too. So it's just like strong, (laughs) like just default pissed. It's an incredible thing to behold. Yeah. As I've said before on this show, when she's mad, she looks like me. And then the brow comes down and it's just like, oh, Brian, right there. It's really, really cute. I remember when you posted like one of the first like baby pictures of her online. And I was just like, I have never seen a child that looks more like her dad than Audrey. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. She's a really good mix of me and Rachel because sometimes she looks like Rachel and sometimes she looks like me. Now, Layton, do you want to talk about an experience you had this past week? While you were out of town doing whatever the hell it was you were doing. Fucking shut up. (laughs) Yeah. I hung out with... Rachel and Audrey, and Audrey and I had a little craft day. I got to witness Audrey doing shrinky dinks for the first time. Sorry, for context, Simon, in Denmark, I believe you call those honky donk. Yeah, pretty much. You know your shit, dude. Yeah, well, do you know what a shrinky dink is? I suppose from context clues, it's like a little charm thing. Well, sort of. By the way, I'm very impressed that my joke there didn't land literally at all with either of you. Zero (laughs) reaction which I was actually quite pleased with. No one even acknowledged that that was technically a joke, which, oh, dream scenario for me personally. It's like when you train a dog and you don't want to reinforce the bad behavior, so you just stay quiet. Yeah. Layden, do you want to explain what a shrinky dink is? I feel like you'll be better at it. A shrinky dink, it's like a plastic sheet. One side is really smooth. The other side is sort of sandpapery. 
you draw a thing on it, you cut it out, you put it in the oven, and then it shrinks to like a really hard piece of plastic. So it's fun because you can draw a really big picture and then it gets super tiny and then you have like a weird little charm. It shrinks to like a third or less of its original size, right? Like 20% of the original size. But as a child, it's absolute magic. Oh, yeah. Was very excited to do them with Audrey. Audrey was losing her fucking mind and kept drawing things that were so tiny that were like, when you bake this, it's going to be like, yay big. (laughs) When I got home, she showed me. It's like smaller than a penny. And I'm like, I can't even tell what that is. Oh, oh, yeah. Because she was like, Leighton, can you cut out the TV for me? And the TV like ended up being this this little pea-sized TV. We first put them in the oven. We were like, all right, Audrey, like this is going to take like two minutes for them to start. They're going to start curling up and they're going to get smaller. 30 seconds in, they're not like doing the thing. So Audrey just like walks away. (laughs) I'm like, Audrey, come back. They're starting to do the thing. And then she comes over and sees that they're shrinking and she starts losing her fucking mind. That's pretty much it. It was uh, super fun. And then Rachel made dinner and we watched an episode of The Muppet Show. And Audrey wanted to take my French fries uh, and not eat meatloaf. <laughs> and then you FaceTimed in. Yes. I got Audrey some Polly Pockets for her birthday that she was very excited about. She still is. This is the first thing she showed me when, when I got home. <laughs> Hell yes. Yeah. Anyway, it was an absolute delight. Very cool. I think it's absolutely adorable that it's called, a, what do you say, a shrinky dink? Yes. See, I remember them as a kid not being free draw. I remember them being things that you were like, it was basically prescribed and you had to like fill in some colors and then put them in the oven. Like they came with patterns. Part of the reason why it's transparent is so you can trace stuff. So like Audrey traced a couple of things from a coloring book, but you know, being an artiste, it was just freehand. And I used to make shrinky dink jewelry when I was in high school and I sold them at a store in town. For very small coins. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can get the kind where you can print onto the shrinky dink sheet from a computer. And so I made little like Steve Buscemi rings and stuff. Uh I should do that again. I lost my Buscemi ring. So I'm curious, Simon, partly just because you're in a different country and also mostly because you're you. Art is a huge part. That's like your career. As a kid, what art stuff did you do? Were you just drawing all the time? Did you have some weird shrinky dink thing like that or some weird, you know, I don't know, fucking Danish bullshit that you did? Jesus, Brian. What? It's always lovely to hear from you, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Laying him out. Jeez. Well, okay. So I feel like my artistic life has pretty much been in like three phases. When I was like two to maybe 10, I drew animals, transformers, cars, you know, Ninja Turtles, all that jazz, you know, normal kid stuff, I feel. Yeah. But then like, I found Naruto again, and I just, like, I traced art. Right around when you were 10. Yeah. You know, I drew all the characters from the books all the time. So I just, like, I want to make my own comic. I really want to, you know, know how to do proportions and anatomy and all that. I guess I've always been sort of, like, professionally minded in that way. Like, you know, I want to get better, that sort of thing. But as a kid, if I liked something, I drew it. And I liked all the stuff that little boys like. Amazingly reductive statement, but I'll let you continue. Thank you. (laughs) I don't know if this is a thing Americans do when they are young or older, but um, Brian, you know, as a fellow boy, that you have a certain device you can use. You're really leaning into this, aren't you? No, no, no. Just hear me out. So, you know, when it snows and you have your little device and you can, you know, point and it will make like a little pattern in the snow, you know? Mm -hmm. Am I making myself clear, Brian? 
Are you talking about my dick again? I am. Again. Okay. Yes. To put it more simply and more like less PG-13, we just basically, all of us went out in the snow and peed in the snow to make patterns. Mm -hmm. And that's just what you do. Yes. Did I do that? I'm not sure I did because the only place to do that would have been like in front of my house. And if my mother saw me doing that, she would have had a heart attack. So I'm not sure I ever did that because there was no place for me to do it. You know, you didn't just sneak out at night or go to a forest or something. No, I mean, I know this sounds weird, but I didn't sneak out of my house in the middle of the night and escape to a forest just so I could pee pictures in the snow. Right. Okay. So yes, it's a dangerous thing, I suppose. You know, maybe it's just an environment thing. Like we weren't really near like a forest forest and grew up in suburban Jersey. Like, you know, there's like trees and shit around, but there was no natural place to go escape to draw pictures with my urine, <laughs> except my room, of course. Well, okay, so I will say any any place with more than two trees is pretty much a forest in Denmark. Okay, got it. That's also a point to make. So piss pictures was an important part of your artistic coming up. It's pretty much made me who I am, yeah. <laughs> and I can only encourage anyone, you know, no matter how young or old you are, go out and do it. Great. There's a great learning experience from it. So that phase lasted from 10 until present. <laughs> pretty much. We don't get as much snow now, but when it starts dropping, I just take my pants off and run out, take a bottle of water with me, <laughs> do what I must do. Okay, so Naruto. I'm redirecting this. <laughs> Naruto. You got really into manga and anime and then just kind of copied and wanted to make your own stuff. Do you have old comic books you made? I have. I oh, have yes. like 20 of them. I don't think there's a single original thing in there. In terms yep. of storytelling or character designs or anything, it's literally just like what I liked at the time. It's in there. I mean, that's great. I would love to show them online someday, but it's all in Danish and I am not planning on translating it at all. I bet if you posted them, you know, I don't think they would like re-letter them or whatever, but I bet they would post the translations underneath. Yeah. So at what point for you did it become like, okay, I can draw pictures. What if I made them move? Mm, well... To reference one of our previous conversations, Mr. Egoraptor, when I saw him and his videos online, I think I was like 10 or 11 or something. I don't know how I knew, but I knew he was just one guy because cartoons in my head at the time was just like a thing companies and many people did. Mm -hmm. So to know that one guy made all that and it was actually like looking like a real cartoon, that was awesome. So this is like Newgrounds era Egoraptor, right? Pretty much, yeah. Him and, you know, a guy named Edsworld? Oh, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. He was a huge inspiration. Oh, my God. So I found out what software they used, and I got it, let's just say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he just fell off a truck, I believe, is the expression. Exactly. I found it. Which version of Flash were you using at this point? I think it's called CS5. Yeah. It's not Macromedia, but it's like old. And that's the version I'm still using to make like NSP videos today. <laughs> you know what? God bless you for sticking with Flash. That shit, I still have flashbacks. Ooh. Okay. Not being an animator or artist. Well, I mean, I'm a musical artist, of course. And I do think of myself as an artist in general. But I'm not a visual artist. What, what the fuck is Flash? Like, explain to me what this means. It is an animation software. It's a... I've never really fully understood this. So it's a journey into the depths of human suffering. Uh huh. Yeah. My understanding of Flash is he's this guy named Barry Allen who's very, very fast. Yes. And also, imagine every time he took a step, 
he uh, pretty much dies. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's what Flash is. And he's very good at animating. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to make it real simple. Imagine you, you want to make a smoothie and you need a blender to make a smoothie and you put things in a blender. And there are other blenders out there that you can use that are cooler and faster. But you pick this blender and every time you put a fruit or whatever in there, it explodes. That's what Flash is. There's also no lid. And so every time you go to do it, it gets everywhere. And then you spend more time cleaning up the mess that this program has created and just losing your mind because you have lost hours of painstaking, piddly little keyframes. There's also no like glass around it. It's just like a little thing that spins and it cuts things. Yeah. And you can just put your hand in it and then it's like, oh no, no more hand. Is it an application? It's the name of a program you would like download and open up and use it to make your animations. It's Adobe Flash, and as you'll recall, Google Chrome stopped supporting Flash, so not only can you make animations in Flash, you can make, like, interactive games and such, you know, like if you've ever played any sort of, like, dress-up game or a variety of web-based browser games, that's your Flash right there. It's basically like what Newgrounds is built upon, I think, with all their interactive games and videos and all that. Yeah, so all the animation I used to love in the early 2000s, Mm -hmm. in the early days of web animation, that was all flash stuff, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Talking about the icebox days of animation. Pretty much, yeah. I have since then tried to use a software called Clip Studio Paint to animate. And I'm making a music video in that software now, making it look like something completely different, mm-hmm. which is fucking awesome. I mean, anything to not use flash anymore, because honestly, it is a piece of fucking garbage. Yeah, a statement echoed by animators literally everywhere. I never Mm -hmm. hear anyone be like, you know what I love? Flash. (laughs) It's so great. But Simon, the reason you kept using it is just because you were used to it and that's what you were used to working with forever. Right. I think there are two other softwares out there that are like industry standard. Toon Boom is that one? Toon Boom, yeah. And TV Paint. That's like the two big ones. I tried to use both, but it's literally like learning a new language. Of course, yeah. Has either of you ever done the thing where you want to learn a new application for whatever Instead of diving in, like actually going through tutorials, I've never done this. I just kind of try to, you know, mash stuff together and hope that it eventually works and look up YouTube videos as needed, which is why I can technically use Premiere, but in actuality, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. And every time I need to do something, it becomes a nightmare. Um, But I feel like had I actually sat down, taken whatever, literally a day probably, and worked my way through a few tutorials, I'd be much better at it, but I just never seem to have the patience. Has either of you ever like really sat down and been like, I'm going to learn this, or do you just dive in? When you were in school, were you also the type who didn't learn anything from just a teacher telling you the things? Did you have to like do the project yourself to learn them? I mean, yes, but that's also always the way science works. Like You'll never learn science by just listening to someone talk about physics or whatever. Like you have to sit down and think through the problems and do the homework and like really experience it. So yes, but I think there's literally nobody on earth who could just hear someone talk about a science topic and be like, okay, now I'm the master of that. You know, like it it just doesn't work like that. So yes, but I'm not sure that was a special thing to me. I feel like that's true about everything. 
I feel like for me, it's always like a project by project basis where it starts with, I want to use this software to make X specific thing. Let me see if I can figure it out. I inevitably cannot figure it out. I look up a video, get mad watching the video because I hate watching videos. Like I want a bullet point list of what I need to do. I don't want to watch dudes be like, hey guys, what's up? Welcome to my Premiere tutorials. Today we're going to be the unregistered Hypercam 2. It's going down to the file. Like I don't want that. Why is it so hard to look for these things? It ends up being almost always like, oh, there's a menu option that does this. Like you need to click it. And invariably you, you, you Google like, you know, turn off snap in Photoshop or whatever. First of all, every video is from before 2007. So it's completely useless. And they're always the ones that show up at the top of the search. And nobody just has like a one paragraph thing, which is like view menu, turn off grid. Like, I don't understand why it is so hard to search for these things almost every time. This cannot be just a me phenomenon. This has to be universal. Yeah. For people to just put it simply and, you know, ready to use information like that, I think people would have to be nice <laughs> and not want something in return, you know? Yeah. yeah. Because all those video tutorials are like 10 minutes long because they have to get all the ads and all that shit. Yeah. Well, it's the same reason, you know, online recipes have 20 paragraphs of life story mm-hmm. before the recipe because that's what... Mm-hmm drives drives the money yeah Yeah. it's like my uh falls here i just love the fall don't you my mother-in-law was visiting and she brought her dog and god my children just love that dog my children adobe and photoshop (laughs) anyway (laughs) yeah there's something about the adobe line of products i hate them so much i remember back in the halcyon days where you didn't have to pay a monthly fee to do things you could simply pay for a program Mm. and own the program oh what a fucking swindle. Yeah, but it's like once you figure out the language of it, like I've been using Photoshop for over a decade, probably closer to like 13 years or so. It's always like once you get the bit of the software, like it makes more sense. Like it's sort of similar to like After Effects or Premiere or whatever. We're like, okay, this is sort of like Photoshop in this way. Like they're transferable skills. But until you get to that point where you're like, okay, I understand what's happening here. I get the rules. It's just a no man's land. That's a really good way to say it because that is where I am at with Premiere specifically. I don't understand the rules. Mm -hmm. Like I spent, and I'm not exaggerating, like two hours last week trying to export a video and figure out why it was shitty quality every time. And I like gave up actually, because I couldn't figure it out. And I like Googled a million things. I checked the codec. It was like, I checked everything I could think of to check. And I still have no idea why it looked like a piece of ass, a bad piece of ass. <laughs> and I feel like I don't understand. There's something fundamental about how that shit works that I'm just missing. Yeah. Certainly tons of idiots use this software every day and do just fine. It can't be that hard, but it feels like just not knowing how to, pronounce something in danish for example like once you get it you get it but if you're outside that like kind of understanding the rules phase it just you have no idea what's going on so it feels like learning a language well it's interesting too because simon do you ever use procreate or do you have an ipad no i meet a lot of people who are longtime photoshop users who get an ipad and then are completely baffled by procreate to me, it is a more intuitive program and is great and so like specifically tailored to illustration. And like for a $5 program, it just blows Photoshop out of the water in terms of what you can do. Like it, it's just so many quality of life improvements that Adobe should have done years ago with the amount of money that they have to like fix shit. I digress. But I know a lot of people who are like huge Photoshop natives who just have no idea what to do with Procreate. Yeah. 
I actually just got Procreate because I wanted something that Audrey could do to draw digitally. So I got the iPad with the pencil and the Procreate. And there, actually, I did do a few tutorials, but it does seem much, much more intuitive than Photoshop. Yeah. It's again, once you get the bit of like, okay, so this is a three finger tap, this is a four, all of these options are available in the little wrench area. And like, it is funny handing it to somebody who is not used to it because they're like, oh God, what did I press? Oh no. Oh, oh God. Yeah. I used Photoshop or I tried to when I first started drawing digitally and I couldn't even fucking, I don't use it now. I use another software. That's the one Adobe thing I could never figure out. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a steep learning curve and everything just seems to be designed to make you have as bad a time as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's for the professionals only, as they say. FPO, that's industry term for that, for professionals only. So I feel like this is something that you and I have talked about a lot. First of all, I just love the stuff you do. Obviously, we've worked together a lot. So I keep coming back for more because what you do is just the best. Thank you. But the thing that is especially astonishing is not only that what you do is incredible, but how fucking fast you are. I know we've talked about this and you're like, it's just kind of what I do. But it is really astonishing how quickly you can get things done. Like you put these things out there with such speed and they're so good that it's just it seems impossible to me. Like, I don't know any other artist actually that I've ever worked with who is both as good and as fast. Is this just like that's just how you operate or what? Well, thank you, first of all. Holy shit. Well, I mean, I do constantly when I'm working, think about, oh my God, this is like going way faster than I had anticipated. And I saw like a thing about math once where it's like, if you're good at it, you're probably doing it wrong. What? (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever heard about that? Okay. So if you're doing like a math problem and you think you're doing it right, you're probably doing it wrong because it's so easy or whatever. I disagree with that, but let's move on. Okay. So basically my thing is, oh my God, I'm going so fast. This must be looking like shit because I'm doing it so fast. But then I send it over to you and Dan and you guys love it. So I'm like, okay, I really genuinely don't know what I'm doing because I remember the mansion party video I did for you. That took like nine months Mm -hmm. and the parents house video, which is like double as long took like three months to make yeah and i i have no idea why perhaps you just got better <laughs> maybe <laughs> you know uh, i i don't know but i remember I like w- maybe w- yes yeah, so i insist you speak okay jesus christ daddy um <laughs> sorry can we get a jesus christ daddy clean please just yeah take that again yes jesus christ daddy okay great moving on <laughs> i think maybe it's all about the mental state of which I am currently in, because I'm sure as you guys know, and as anybody else will know, if you're working on something and you're just not feeling it, things will just go slow. Yeah. And you are not doing anything because you're just not there. And for the past year and now, I'm just like really, really excited about working on anything I'm working on. And I think that's honestly like the biggest change. That's so great. Not that I wasn't excited about working with you, Brian, before. No, I understand. I'm not taking this as a slight. (laughs) You know, enthusiasm ebbs and flows, you know. And just to say I'm more excited about stuff now is not to slight the stuff you did in the past. Yeah, and animation requires such focus and like long haul, just butt in seat hours. Like maintaining that excitement is so important. Right. There's no like cheating around it. You have to literally just sit there for hours and just do it. I wanted to ask you, Brian, like for your part of writing songs and 
all that. What was like the most difficult, time-consuming thing for you to write or play or come up with or any part of that on any song you've ever done? Like, and why maybe do you think that is? The hardest stuff was before we started writing songs with our now producer and songwriting partner, Jim Roach. You know, before it was Jim, it was just me and Dan, and I did all the instrumental music, and Dan did all the vocal stuff. And so if there was instrumental stuff, I just had to do it all myself. So the most difficult thing to write for me was 6969, because it's whatever, you know, a nine-minute song that I wrote the instrumental parts for just by myself in, you know, then in my flat in London. And that took a really long time because I was trying to do different sections and have recurring motifs and, you know, rework things. The way Danny and I used to work back then is I would send him some music and I'd be like, what do you think about this? And sometimes he would be like, no, I hate that. <laughs> sometimes he would send back like a completely sung through thing and be like, I loved it and I did this. It varied on that one. Generally, everything I did, I sent to him. He was like, this is great. Let's keep going. There's a lot going on in that song, and I'm very proud of it musically. I just uh, kind of went through it again uh, for secret reasons that I won't talk mm -hmm. about right now. But listening through it again and trying to go back to whatever that was six years ago and be like, okay, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, what's happening here? I mean, I still have all the original audio projects, so I can literally look through it and listen to individual tracks and see what it was. But getting that together was a long process that coming up with the ideas wasn't hard. It was just a lot to kind of organize and think about. So definitely 6969 for me. And I'm, I'm happy to say that to me, musically, just in general, still holds up. I still love that song and I still love that video and everything. Yeah. I actually never thought about the fact that you did all of the music in that. <laughs> that's fucking genius. Thank you. I mean, that's a very kind thing to say. It's like anything else. I'm sure you, both of you appreciate this. When you're just creating something, you never feel like, oh man, I'm a fucking genius. You just feel like, okay, well, I, I did this thing. I'm, I'm working on it right now. Like, oh, I like that. That feels good. I, I like the way that looks or sounds, but I don't think I've ever written anything where I was just like, Genius move, bro. High fives. You know, it's just like, yeah, that's cool. I like that. All right, let's move on. Let's keep it going. I can't even get to the like, oh, cool. I like this. It's just like, this is shit. This is oh, really? shit. No. Yeah, like maybe weeks later, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess it was okay. I think the only time I get the like, yeah, yeah, is if I'm manic. <laughs> oh, man. For me, I kind of had the opposite problem, whereas generally speaking, if I'm writing music, I won't keep going unless I'm happy with what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if I get to a point, whatever, I'm writing like a verse and a chorus for a song and I finish it in the moment, I'm almost always like, I like this. Then to me, the real test is coming back with fresh ears. Like I'll set something aside for at least a day, usually a couple, and come back to it. Most of the time, I'm just like, oh God, what was that? No, oh, oh terrible. And then if something stands the test of time and I still like it, then you know I move forward with it. But I was thinking about this the other day. It's because you can hear the history or remember the history of how you came up with it. Mm -hmm. So especially, I don't know if there's an analog for this visually, but for music, you know, it's like, okay, well, I came up with the baseline first and that's really anchoring it. So I can still like hear that as the primary driver. But then when you come to it with fresh ears, sometimes that really gets buried. And the fact that you don't have that audio history of what you used to be thinking really colors the perception oh, yeah. of it. So is there an analog for that visually? I mean, I don't know if it's like a universal thing, but for me, pretty much every time I make a music video, the first thing I think of is, oh my God, what is the 
cinematography going to be like. Yeah, yeah. So like, where is the camera? When's the cut? All that. And that's always like the first thing I think of. And that's the thing I'm most excited about to show. But that's never the thing people notice. Right. <laughs> people yeah. only notice like what is drawn. Oh, Danny looked really great in this video or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No one is like, oh my God, that dolly zoom though. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shit, shit like that. We talked about this while you were making it, but during the parents' house video, you were like, okay, I'm going to change the aspect ratio during this section of the video, right? And I'm going to go from a wider to thicker. And I think it works super, super well, but it's the kind of thing that is so effective. People don't notice it because it's so good. You know what I mean? Right. And that, that thing particularly wasn't supposed to be noticed, but right. it's still nice when people notice it, of course. Yeah, of course. The compliment everyone wants is from someone who understands the language to be like, mm -hmm. I see what you're doing there and it fucking rules. And <laughs> these assholes don't get it, but I'm a pro and I know what it is and I love it. That's the compliment you want. Yeah. Brian, have you ever gotten that from someone who like you really needed to hear it from? Well, you know what? It did happen to me once scientifically. Musically, I'm sure it's happened, but scientifically once I was a grad student. I was, I was just finishing up my PhD. I don't know if you guys know this. I have a doctorate in theoretical physics. I don't like to talk about it much, but it is something that I have. Oh, um, Let me just stare at it for a second. You saw it the other day, Simon, when we did that Instagram live together. I Aww. did. So anyway, I was a just about to graduate student. I went to this place called the Institute for Advanced Study in Princeton, which is like the hot shit theoretical physics place. Like it's where Einstein was. He was a kind of founding member of it when it started in the 30s. And like all these amazing scientists have, have come through there in various capacities. Every scientist there was amazing. But there's one guy who was like, you know, one of these like so next level dudes that you can't even understand how the guy thinks named Ed Witten, who is a foundational dude in string theory. And like some people would call him like the best theoretical physicist of maybe the 20th century. Like this guy is, is really, really next level. And I gave a seminar on a paper of mine there. They invited me to give a talk, which was first of all, just a huge compliment. And he comes up to me after this talk and I'm like terrified of this, like terrified of this guy. This is a guy who could destroy you intellectually if he wanted to. Like he is to me, probably the scariest person in the world at this point in my career. And I'm desperately trying to impress these guys. Maybe they'll offer me a postdoc or something like that you know, in the future. And he comes up to me after this talk and he says, I just wanted to say beautiful thoughts. And I was like, what the shit? Oh my God. Oh my God. And also he had asked a question during the seminar that I didn't answer very well. And I was like, fuck, I'm blowing it. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> but he came up and gave me a nice compliment about my paper. Actually, I have another story about this guy. Several years before uh, he had visited UC San Diego where I was a grad student to give a seminar and I'd never met him before. So I was like, oh my God, I'm going to meet Ed Witten. Oh my God. And my advisor knew him well, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, before his seminar, which was like a big public lecture, you know, because I'm a physicist and I'm helping organize it. I go to a little tea area. It's always in physics before the seminar, I get tea and cookies. It's usually after, but sometimes before. Physics cookies. Just like church. <laughs> yeah, kind of actually. Uh, and I see him in a circle of people and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go say hi to Ed Witten. I'm going to say hi to him. Like, I know bullshit at this point. I, I'm a brand new grad student. I don't know anything about anything. And so I walk up to this circle and kind of, you know, kind of edge my way in. You know, he's just talking to someone else and he looks at me and he goes, 
who are you? And I was like, oh God. And I say, oh, I'm Ken Intrilligator. That was my advisor. Ken Intrilligator's student. My name is, is Brian Wecht, W-E-C-H-T. And we keep talking. And then like we hear the talk, we go to dinner, blah, blah, blah. Next morning I wake up and I'm like, did I spell my name for Ed Whitten yesterday? <laughs> I think I, I think I spelled my name. And I talked to a friend of mine who was also in that little circle of people. And he was like, yeah, dude, you definitely spelled your name. And it was super weird. And <laughs> everybody was like, what the fuck is this move? I'm sure he had no memory of that whatsoever. But several years later, he said a nice thing to me at a talk. That's actually like a big brain move to pull on him. I guess. Like, you probably don't know what my name is spelled like. So here you go. It's such a strange thing to do that I feel like it would stick in a person's memory like you're at the pharmacy to pick up some medication and they're asking what your name is yeah i love that so weird i feel like that moment for me of getting like praise from a person you extremely respect is i was at gdc one year after dream daddy had come out and i went to a talk by mike laidlaw who was a big bioware person who was like doing the writing on the dragon age games which are some of my favorites and were a really big inspiration for dream daddy and he's a friend of a friend. So my friend went to introduce me and my friend very graciously was like, oh, this is Leighton. She's the co-creator, co-writer of Dream Daddy. And he was like, oh, I love that game. The genuine wrestle boy was my daddy. <laughs> and then I had to go like freak out in a corner for a while. That's amazing. Yeah, it was great. One question I wanted to make sure to ask you though, Simon, is, you know what? I can ask this to both of you. This is relevant to both of your experiences. What is it like to draw me? <laughs> like... Is it amazing? Is it exhilarating? Is it difficult? You know, one of you draws me in costume. The other occasionally draws me out of costume. Although, what's the real costume, right? Well, the costume, as far as I know, is always on. That's right. Because no one has really seen the real you as of yet. That's right. Drawing you, though, I actually find you extremely pleasant and easy to draw. Ooh, okay. Because your features are very apparent. To me, at least. Mm -hmm. And you have sort of like a um, presidential Mount Rushmore-ish face. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of like 3D aspects to pick from, I feel. Yeah, I try to exist mostly in three dimensions, yeah. Absolutely. And I also draw you really buff all the time. Actually, I was going to comment on that. I feel like every video I get more and more jacked. <laughs> at some point, it's just going to be like, you know, necklace, like yeah. weightlifter, the rock style kind of stuff. Which I think is very, very funny. Thank you. But I do love buff Ninja Brian, yeah. It wouldn't be the same if he was a fucking little stick, you know? Yeah. My answer is that I don't want to have to look at you more than necessary, which already happens a lot. So it's not mm -hmm. necessarily a pleasant experience for me. I also, I hate drawing men. It's not my jam. Mm. No offense. Because you don't like doing it or you don't feel you're good at it or both or neither? Both. I mean, I don't dislike the way you draw me at all. I think it looks great. Thank you. Thank you. Very appreciated. Sorry, your answer was both? My answer is I hate you and do your fucking segment before I lose my mind. Okay, fine. So now I do want to establish this, moving past Layton's very, very aggressive attitude here. So Simon, you have heard the podcast before, right? I have, and I have a feeling I know what you're about to do, but please continue. Well, you might know what I'm about to do, but you might not, because we are premiering a brand new thing this week. Oh. We've never done this before. It's a pop culture recommendation segment, 
And this is a thing where you get to recommend some piece of pop culture that you really like. It can be a movie. It can be a book. It can be a video game. It can be whatever you like. It doesn't have to be pop necessarily. We've had people recommend quote unquote high culture uh, before, and that's, that's just fine. But the really, really amazing thing, and what I'm going to debut here this week is a brand new theme song, brand new theme song for this segment. The segment's called What's Poppin', and the theme song for it, I wrote this old one, which was, I used to hype it up a lot before the segment and I'd talk about how great it was. I didn't really believe it. But this week, the new theme is, it's much, much better. It's more well-rounded. It's more complete. It's a little bit longer here and there. I also really concentrated on the audio production a lot. I don't like to talk a lot about behind the scenes stuff for the audio production here, but I found a new compressor that I'm very excited about using. It's one of the universal audio ones. So I, I tried that. I uh, tried a bunch of different plugins to you know get the vibe just right. Really EQ'd the shit out of it too. I bought a bunch of new virtual instruments that I used for it as well. So there really is a lot of craft that went into the behind the scenes of it. Again, normally I don't like to talk about, it, but I think it's going to be easier to appreciate for this one. So right now I'm going to play for you the brand new theme song for the What's Poppin'. We could even call it What's Poppin' 2.0 uh, or What's 2.0oppin', you might also call it if you like. Right. So here's the new theme song for What's Poppin'. I'm sorry, I forgot to click play. Excuse me. Sorry. Okay. All right, there it is. What's poppin'? Wow. What's poppin'? It's not done. What's poppin'? <laughs> What's we poppin'? We just leave it that. All right, there it is. Now, now it's done. So what did you think? A heads up would have been nice, first of all. Real catchy, though. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think Leighton loves it, too. Yeah. Leighton loved the last <laughs> one, so I was a little reluctant to play it for her because of... You know, we didn't discuss, I wanted to be kind of a new thing and surprise her with it. But, you know, sometimes those surprises can go either way. Sometimes it's like, oh my God, holy shit, like a new thing. And other times it's like, why did you change this thing I used to love so much? I figured it might be the latter. So I didn't want to, you know, talk about it ahead of time. Of course, you are a generous man to the end. Thank you. <sighs> Simon, what's popping? What's popping for me is I just watched a movie called the grand budapest hotel ah and i know my girlfriend is rolling her eyes in the room next to me because i watched it a lot of times in very few days and i don't know how i had never heard of wes anderson before but oh my god that's your first wes anderson movie yeah wow that's very exciting that movie is my fucking life right now it's pretty great right i love it so much expect the next thing i do will be heavily influenced by this movie visually because holy shit that's exciting yeah you know obviously wes anderson is known for his shot composition and very careful choices of everything visual essentially he's got this very interesting kind of symmetrical manner to what he does like Leighton said i'm very excited to see what a simon mako uh wes anderson influenced piece looks like and also just because I watched a few interviews with him and like my favorite video, like film director ever of the people who just have a clear vision and no matter what, just fucking stick to it, mm -hmm. no matter what people say. That's also why I can, to a certain extent, like the Star Wars prequels, because just Lucas just had a fucking vision and he just stuck to it. 
you like the Star Wars prequels, just to be clear. Yes, and I also grew up with them, so I think that's a fair statement to make. For sure. A lot of people who grew up with them really love them, which is perfectly valid. Look, I am old enough where I waited in a parking lot for the midnight showing of Phantom Menace. Like, you know, I was, whatever, 22. Was it worth it? The atmosphere was electric. (laughs) No, I was in grad school, sat on a physics textbook in a parking lot for four hours waiting to get in or whatever. Like, it was great. I don't want to interrupt, but I do have to tell the story because it's one of my favorite Star Wars things. So they, in, I think it was... Well, someone will know the date here. Maybe 96, they started re-releasing the original Star Wars movies. And I was in college at the time in Western Massachusetts. And the first one, like Star Wars Special Edition, came out in the middle of a snowstorm there, which was not unusual for Western Massachusetts. But to see it, we had to drive like 45 minutes in the snow to this movie theater. And like, it was a trek to get there because I went to college kind of middle of nowhere. So we go, this is the first time I've ever been to a movie where people are dressed up. Like there's a dude in a full Jabba the Hutt costume there. There's Leia's, there's Luke's, there's everybody, everybody. This theater is packed full of nerds, which I say with love. And everyone's just like, (sighs) you know, like you haven't seen a Star Wars movie in a theater in You know, if you saw Return of the Jedi, that was 15 years before this or something like you haven't seen a Star Wars movie in a real theater in forever. And there's new stuff. This is kind of before people started to really be down on Lucas's fucking with the movies. So there's this theater full of people and everyone's just like jittery. They're in the snowstorm. Everyone's so excited. And while we're sitting there waiting for the previews or whatever to start, those theaters still lights still up. This dude in a Han Solo costume runs to the front of the theater and he just stands in front of everybody and he's just like (laughs) at some point he just looks at everybody and he goes left half star right half wars star wars he starts leading this chant star wars star wars star wars star wars and then at some point the the chant gets faster and faster and faster and he just starts screaming and he runs out of the theater and everyone just bursts into applause it was like Oh, it's like the greatest Whoa. thing. So if, if you guys have ever seen an NSP show where I do the rock fuck Aww. chant, rock, fuck, rock, oh. it is based entirely on this one dude I saw in a Han Solo costume in front of a, you know, the first Star Wars special edition where that oh, people lost their fucking minds. and It was the greatest. That's fucking awesome. Maybe the best crowd experience I've ever had. Yeah. That's so sweet. Anyway, I completely hijacked your what's popping. That's okay. That's all that has popped for me in quite a while, so that's fine. I was just going to ask if you're going to watch more Wes Anderson movies now. I have watched three others. I'm so bad with film titles. The one with the school and the boy who's creepy about his teacher. Rushmore? Rushmore, yeah. That was lovely. Uh, I watched, what the fuck are they called? Tenenbaums? Royal Tenenbaums. Royal Tenenbaums. Uh-huh. That was good too. And my second favorite, the one with the train. Oh, the Darjeeling Limited. Yes. That was really good. I like that a lot. You will love The Life Aquatic with Steve Zazu. That's way up there. And it's got Bill Murray, as many of them do. That's my next one, yeah. And it's got a guy singing Bowie songs in, I think, French. Rushmore was the first Wes Anderson movie I ever saw. And parts of that movie really, really stayed with me. I think that's the first thing I ever saw Jason Schwartzman in. And Mm -hmm. yeah, he's a creepy monster. That was like kind of a comeback for Bill Murray, too. I remember when going to the theater to see them being like, oh my God, look at Bill Murray. He's like kind of old now and he's playing this real misanthrope. Yeah. 
That's right, yeah. I forgot he used to be young. <laughs> just one of those people who's been old forever. Yeah, there's nothing better than the sass of a young Bill Murray. Like a what about Bob era Bill Murray? No, that's like mid Bill Murray. I'm talking like late 70s Bill Murray. All right, fair. I'm talking pre Ghostbusters. I'm talking stripes, like stripes, meatballs, that Caddyshack, that Bill Murray. Ah, uh, I just feel like I always have to go out of my way to mention What About Bob, a movie nobody talks about because it's intensely mediocre, but it was one of my favorites as a child. There's some really great stuff in What About Bob. There really, really is. Premise-wise, it's just like therapist goes crazy. Like, of course, this was my favorite movie as a child. It completely makes sense. Yeah. That's also great Richard Dreyfus, where he does that thing where he goes crazy really well where he starts freaking out you yeah know, that kind of richard dreyfus <laughs> yeah that's a very funny richard dreyfus vibe yeah i was watching scenes from it semi-recently and just the like 90s comedy soundtrack vibe is so i'm so glad we're not doing that anymore <sighs> my god yeah big city slickers energy <laughs> brian what's popping so i'll talk about this as one of my peaches but i was away this week and when I wasn't doing what I was there to do, I watched a lot of movies, including some stuff that I had been meaning to catch up on. What I will not be talking about is I'm thinking of ending things, which I did watch. I didn't dislike it. I'm just not going to talk about it right now. What I finally watched, I can't fucking believe I hadn't seen this movie before, is The Taking of Pelham 123. It's like 1973 or so. Classic New York in the 70s movie with Robert Shaw that you might know was Quint from Jaws and also the main antagonist in The Sting, old school British guy, and Walter Matthau as a transit cop, Jerry Stiller, Ben Stiller's dad, in a non-comedic role, also a transit cop. And basically these guys take a subway train full of hostages and it's a kind of cat and mouse with Walter Matthau and Robert Shaw. And the movie is great. It's classic taxi driver era New York but the thing that I really want to point out and my actual what's popping is the score for this movie, which I've been absolutely obsessed with for the past like five days or something. It's a jazz score by David Shire, Talia Shire's husband, if you know Talia Shire, Adrian from Rocky or former husband. So this guy wrote this jazz score, but it's very dissonant because he used a compositional technique called serialism which was a major compositional technique in the 20th century, basically invented by Arnold Schoenberg. Do you know what this is? Serialism? Have you ever heard of this? No. I think I have. So basically, Schoenberg was looking for a way of replacing kind of traditional harmony in the you know early-ish 20th century. And he came up with this method where you take the 12 notes of the chromatic scale and you put them in some order. Doesn't matter. Whatever. Invent some order for them. So you just have a prescribed order of notes, which is basically a set of intervals. So you go, whatever, you go up a minor third and then down a half step and then up a fourth, whatever. Just take those notes, put them in an order. And now the rule of serial composition is when you're writing, you have to use these notes in that order, or you can transpose it, you can flip it over, you can do it backwards called the inversion and the retrograde or the retrograde inversion. And the rule is that you are now going through this, what's called tone row and various alterations of it kind of in order whenever you use it. It sounds very structureless unless you know what to listen for, but some of these pieces are great. Some of them are completely unlistenable. Some of my favorite composers work this way, including Schoenberg and this guy, Alpenberg. 
and a bunch of other people. David Shire, for the score of this movie, used this jazz foundation and then did a serialized compositional technique over top of it. And it fucking rules. It's just so great. Live band, obviously, it's 73. Big band. I just cannot get enough of the score. And knowing that it's kind of this combination of jazz and this very once popular compositional technique is awesome. So specifically, what's popping for me this week is the score for the taking of Pelham 123, the original David Shire score. Lovely. Layden, what's popping? What's popping for me is the Sopranos selected scripts from three seasons, Mm -hmm. because I've been reading a lot of screenplays and teleplays lately, and have just been really enjoying them. But that especially is so good, like just so well crafted and like economical about action and just great stuff. I guess in that vein, I'd also recommend the few Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad scripts that are online because they're just like a masterclass in storytelling. They're a real delight. Are they Vince Gilligan scripts or are they someone else? Some of them are, but the tone is so consistent that it's like, it might as well be Vince Gilligan, but they're very interesting. And I highly recommend, you know, it's a fun new way to experience a show. They're very intelligently written. Do you just Google it and then find them? Yeah. Just throw in PDF. But like a lot of those things are really kind of heavily under lock and key. So you can only find a couple for each show. Also the True Detective season one episodes, there are like three of them online and they're fucking amazing. Are there a lot of description in the true detective ones yes yeah i bet there's a really good action line that's like one of the scenes between rust and marty where one of the descriptions is like both men unable to discuss their true feelings resort to quiet anger <laughs> like, yeah. wow it's the thesis of the show so yeah that's what's popping for me cool so let's just roll right into our final segment, which is one part airing of petty grievances and three part gratitude exercise. So this is Peaches and Lemons. This is what the theme song sounds like. Peaches and Lemons. Peaches and Lemons. Sorry, before we continue, unlike What's Poppin', this is the same old theme song. We didn't change this one. This is not a new theme song. What's Poppin' is the new one. This one is the same one. All right, so let's each start with a lemon, which is... A petty grievance. Who would like to begin? I am happy to go. Go for it. I don't know if I've ever done one this specific before. The curtain above my bed makes wet mouth sounds at night, and it (laughs) is very, very upsetting to me. And I think it's because a fan is kind of indirectly blowing on it. I don't notice it when I'm falling asleep often because I'm listening to something in headphones. But if I wake up early, it keeps me up. And here's the noise it makes. It's so off-putting. It's one of those noises that is kind of subtle, but once it gets in your brain, you can't hear anything else but this curtain. And, you know, in the back of my mind, it's like there's some creature behind me just going, yeah, I'm going to eat the shit out of that guy. Oh, yeah. Look at that yummy daddy. You know, like that kind of stuff. Oh, every morning. And I don't know what to do. I've moved it a little bit here and there to try to get it. It's just the way it's like vibrating or something. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't stop. I would honestly, I thought that you would love that. Yeah. Look. It's like having a white noise machine. Yeah, a wet noise machine. Yeah. A wet noise machine. Oh. <laughs> All right. Now. Look, 
If I weren't trying to sleep, I would love this. You're absolutely right, Simon. It would be my very fondest wish come true. But as it is, when it's 5.30 in the morning and I don't need to get up for another hour and I just want to go back to sleep and I hear the gentle sound of a tongue separating from the roof of a slightly damp mouth, it's not neither the time nor the place. Maybe it's the place, actually. But it's not the right time for it. (laughs) What a nightmare. So that's my lemon. I'll go with my lemon because I am so terribly mad about it. I don't have a garage. I have to use street parking. This is one of those things where, oh, I'm not going to fix this small problem. I would rather make it a huge problem for myself later. Yeah, great. I was looking for my car, as I do, went all the way around my neighborhood, and I was like, have I lost my mind, or has my car been towed or stolen? The car is towed because my registration expired. I got the smog check mail that I somehow missed, And so the registration didn't go through. And so I only found this out two days after my car had been towed. And they towed your car? Mm Mm-hmm. What? It gets worse. Because it happens to be Memorial Day weekend, nothing is open. So I have to go to the DMV, get my new registration, pay for it, go to a different DMV service center, and get a like release paper for the car, and then go pick up my towed car. Which presumably has like a per day fee for being impounded. Yeah, that gets higher and higher. And because it's Memorial Day weekend, I can't do anything until tomorrow. And God knows how the DMV process is going to go on a Tuesday. Two different DMVs. And then I have to go get my car. So now I owe like several hundred dollars for this stupid fucking mistake. And I also don't have a car. So, jeez, man, it's great. I'm sorry. That's terrible. That's my lemon. It's just what a fucking pain in the ass. That's a lemon tree right there. <laughs> the fact that you can be on the hook to pay for the towing fee on a holiday mm-hmm. weekend where you yeah. literally yeah. can't do anything about it. Like, what a fucking grift. That would happen to me in Boston. Occasionally, I'd park somewhere and forget about street cleaning or whatever. And then you discover a week later and you're like, fuck. And then you owe like, $500 or something for them keeping your card. I really feel you on that. That's terrible. Yeah. It, it was just like that on top of several other large, frustrating inconveniences that I'm just like, this has been a miserable, miserable weekend. So yeah, that's my larger than usual lemon. Oh my God. All right. I'm sorry. That's fine. If you need a ride anywhere, we'll send Audrey to get you. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. She has a few like marks on her license already, doesn't she? Yeah, she can't see over the wheel, so she's not the best driver, but she has a great time doing it. That's great. Thank you so much. Simon, Lemon. Yes. So I hope it's not saying too much that we are recording this episode on like the last day of May. No, not at all. And my girlfriend and I have this thing where the last day of the month, we go through our receipts Mm. for our groceries of that month to like see how much we spent. And like, I don't have too many anxieties in my head. But when it comes to finances, I am a pussy and a bitch. I get really stressed, like counting these receipts. And I found that we have spent a bit more than I had hoped. So I am livid at myself for buying too many snacks. Hmm. And I hope to gosh, I can change in that regard <laughs> because I can't, I can't handle that. Fix your snacking ways. While we're on this, like what are the snacks you're consuming so much of? Tell us about these Danish delicacies. <laughs> well, I mean, 
I think it's the same worldwide, pretty much that like, you know, meat is expensive. Mm -hmm. Things that are healthy and makes you full are expensive, except for cakes or unhealthy shit. A huge thing we have in Denmark are roulettes or roulades, which are basically like the most gross, unhealthy thing ever. And it's like one dollar or less, pretty much. Are those like meat and cream cheese rolled up into a thing? Is that what it is? Yes, except it's all cake. Oh, they're cake. Yeah, it's just cake. Cake and cream and whatever. And it's the cheapest thing ever. And it fills me up and it's delicious. So I buy that (laughs) all the time. And it's a fucking devastating thing to just look back at your like records of how gross and unhealthy you've been mm-hmm. and that it also cost you a lot of money. Yeah. Hey. It's life, baby. <laughs> Relatable. Fabulous. So that's my lemon. All right. Let's each do three peaches, which are good things, positive things, things we're excited about, big or small. Who cares? All right. I'll go first. Sure. All right. Well, my first peach is what I discussed earlier, which was doing Shrinky Dinks with Audrey and Rachel, which was just a real healing experience. I just want to interject with that first peach. You made Audrey's life by coming over and doing Shrinky Dinks with her. (laughs) Really? Oh, my God. She's still talking about it. Leighton came here and Leighton, she really hits the T in your name. Leighton (laughs) drew these things. Apparently, Rachel was saying, or one of you, maybe you were saying, Audrey was bummed that she wasn't as good of an artist as you. And I was like, honey, she's a professional artist and she's an adult. Like, you're seven. You know, don't beat yourself up because you're not drawing an amazing mermaid like Layden did. Yeah. Rachel definitely said that, like up top. Yeah. But no, you absolutely made that kid's week, month, year, whatever. Like, she's still talking about it. She had a great time with you because Rachel, I think, told you this too. Audrey's all about like, Girls. Yeah. Cool older women are her jam. Me too, Audrey. And you are right up on that list. So thank <laughs> you yeah. for, for, for doing that for her. Yeah, literally anytime. My second peach is that due to vaccinations, I've seen our good friend Allie in person several times this year, but obviously at a distance. And I got to hug her for the first time in a year mm. last week, which was just like fucking transcendent. She is perfect hugging size relative to my height. And she cried. If I was physically capable of crying, I would absolutely have been crying. So that was just nice. That's awesome. Oh, who's taller? You or Allie? I can't remember. You? Yeah. Significantly? Yeah, like a head. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, she's like perfect my chin on the top of her head height. Wow. Wait, I also want to point out that when you said you hugged her, I grunted, but it might have come out creepy. And I didn't mean for it to. I just it was like a grunt of like that's nice. Yeah. But I feel like in retrospect it came out like, hmm. But it. I, so Jarek. <laughs> well, I guess now you have to keep it in. That was meant to be like, wow, that sounds nice. Not, yeah. Hmm. It was lovely. And then my final peach is that I got very very greasy breakfast for pickup yesterday, and the day before that I got. Over medium eggs, two sausage patties, you know, home fries that are smothered in cheese, and like a good tall fresh orange juice. Nice. All I need in this life. Did you eat it at the place or did you take it home? I brought it home and ate it in my goblin hole. <laughs> just, I love it. Like, you know, the diner is good where like you can just be like, yeah, I want cheese. And then they just melt cheese on everything. Yeah. It's always like a craft single and it's amazing. Fresh orange juice is kind of a dice roll sometimes because sometimes you get it and it's amazing. And other times you get it and it's like a little sour and not amazing. 
So it's always a crapshoot, but when it's good, it's good. It was a very good one. I was really, really hungover, hence why I got greasy breakfast. And like when you're hungover and you get that fresh shit of orange juice, it's like, okay, I feel yeah. like a human again. It's the best, yeah. Yeah. So those are mine. Fuck yeah. Simon? Well, in case all of you listening, following me on social media, I just released some new merchandise and it's going really, really well. That's great. Like money-wise. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Again, financial freak. No, you deserve it. I'm just happy because it's drawings of animals, which I don't like usually do. So it's like out of nowhere if you're a follower of mine, but people just are supportive of it. So that's cool. And I'm very grateful. I've seen these and I think they're awesome. It's a very smart thing to do too. Like you really Thank you. picked something that seems, and this is not a slight, designed to be popular in a good way. Mm -hmm. Like I think it's a very smart thing for you to do and I really love it. So thank you. Which explains why I haven't bought any. There you go. Awesome. My peach number two is we finally got our first hot day in Denmark mm. at last. What kind of temperature is hot for you guys? And you can say it in Celsius. 17 to 20 Celsius. Okay, nice. Which might not be that hot. That's not hot. But <laughs> Comparatively. It's hot over here. Like, oh my God, I was walking around naked all day. <laughs> What's shorts weather? Like, when do people start wearing shorts? So some people actually wear it all year because... All right, they're maniacs, yeah. Some of us are just freaks. Yeah. But it's usually when it becomes like 15 oh my Celsius, <laughs> you know, the weather really affects like my mood. So as soon as it gets hot, I'm just happy yeah. all the time. In the middle of summer, what's the least amount of dark you get in terms of hours? How late does the sun stay up? Well, it's almost 10 now at night and it's still up. So it goes down from now on, I think. That's right. I, well, I guess the longest day of the year is June, was it 21st, I think? Mm -hmm. So I think we have a few more weeks of daylight getting longer and then it starts to go down again, yeah. So to be fair, Danish summers are pretty much like a week and a half, maybe. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's it. And my peach number three is I get to cuddle with my girlfriend after this. That's great. Aww. Which I'm really, really looking forward to that. That's awesome. Do you want to tell us anything about her? You can just say nice things or nothing at all. Of course. If you imagine anyone who would go well with me, just in terms of like balance and stuff like that, she is like the perfect person for that. And she's also a filmmaker and she's fucking hilarious. And like you, Leighton with Ali, she goes like right here in terms of height with me. Mm -hmm. So that's perfect too. And we can sing duets together too. So that's lovely. That's Wait, lovely. Hold, hold on. You sing. I did not. Just back the fuck up for a second. <laughs> what? This is very, I did not know you were a singer. Oh, I sing. Brian, come on. I didn't know this. With this voice, you don't think I sing? Well, no, but you know, just because you have a beautiful voice, which you do, doesn't mean you can necessarily carry a tune. I know certainly plenty of actors who have amazing speaking voices, but can't really sing that well. But okay, what do you sing? What's your jam? Obviously the Danish national anthem. Well, of course, like my voice is super low, so it's kind of awful that I've chosen Freddie Mercury to be my favorite <laughs> singer. <laughs> well, except that he rules, but yeah. yeah. Yes. So I sing all of Queen's songs, but in like a very low version. Well, you realize you have to do this now. Now? Yeah. Don't put him on the spot. He just said he can sing low Freddie Mercury. I'm going to put him on the spot. Give us one line. If you really don't want to, you don't have to, but I will be mad if you don't. Okay, can you give me a song? You're my best friend. Anything other than that? <laughs> uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, Mama just killed a man 
Put a gun against his head Pulled my trigger, now he's dead Mummy <laughs> Life at a nail That was great! It's way easier when I'm not tipsy and I'm standing up. I feel like I might have to put some piano under that when the show comes out. <laughs> that would be lovely. I saw you were doing duets on TikTok, Brian. Yes, 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 yes. And I really wanted to, but I do not want to get a TikTok. That's wise. Both understandable. But you are a shill for it, apparently. It's true. Yeah, because of all the money I make off TikTok. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, make, making tons of TikTok cash. I'm pretty based. I guess. Hold on. Is that a, I, I tweeted on NSP. It's lit how based Ninja Brian is. And a bunch of people got mad. And I want to understand, is that an offensive thing to say? Or is it just stupid? What kind of mad did they get? Like you're cringe mad? You never know. Cringe mad is the one I usually aim for. But I do understand that, you know, like anything, maybe based has some connotation. I know it comes from free basing. So I was like, is this just people being cringe mad or is there actually something to be mad about here? I don't think there's anything actual to be mad about because I think it's just like a fucking meme Fortnite thing to say. That's why I said it. That's exactly why I said it. If enough people are saying it like that, it's probably fine. I mean, that's a dangerous philosophy, of course. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. but if it's like at the level of a meme, it's almost certainly going to be received that way. Right. But I don't want to actually do anything that's offensive. This is, as we've talked about many times, I feel like you two are, you can understand this. I want to push that line, but not so hard that it breaks and spills out. Yeah. Like, right. so I was like, wait, did I actually say something upsetting here? I don't know. Okay. Let me, let me say this. If you ever come to Denmark again, don't say based. Why? Because that is like deep in our history and culture, like a very, very racist thing to say. <gasps> What? I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> like, you almost had me. 80% of the things I say about Denmark are just complete lies. Good. They should be. All right. It's my peaches. But I do want to establish that I am very based, and I do realize that. Oh, dear God. All right. Peach number one. Uh, I went on a writing retreat by myself to the high desert this week, just outside of Joshua Tree, and it was the fucking best. I wrote nine songs just by myself. Wow. And nine smooth jazz classics. And I'm very, very pleased. Will they all be on the album? Probably not. But will most of them? Yeah, for sure. And I was sending them to Meowch for who's producing the album for approval. And he's like, these are all strong, dude. I love them. So I was listening to a lot of smooth jazz and trying to absorb the influence of that genre. And I'm very happy. It was nice to get out and honestly just be by myself for a little bit, I've been trapped in a house with two other humans for a year and a half. And of course, I love these humans very deeply, but it's, you know, it's just nice to be away for a little bit. So yeah, it was a very productive retreat and I had a great time being by myself in the desert one day. Literally, it was like on a dirt road, like really middle of nowhere. Woke up one morning and I walked to one of the doors, which had a big window. And I was like, I just want to see an animal. And out from behind a bush, a giant roadrunner just goes, Phew! right there. And I was like, ah, Roadrunner. They're not like huge, but they're pretty big birds. And then it, true to its name, ran away. But it was very, very excited. I saw Roadrunner, saw bunnies. I've never seen a real Roadrunner. Yeah, I'd seen them at some other point. I can't remember where, in the desert somewhere. But this was like a foot away from me. Just popped out from behind a bush. So that's peach number one, is I had a great little week away. Like I'd never been out to Joshua Tree before, and it is very, very pretty out there. I love the desert. 
It is just a beautiful, wonderful ecosystem. My second peach is related to that, which is somewhat shockingly, my daughter missed me while I was away. And it was very nice to hear that, you know, Rachel would text me and she's like, Audrey keeps talking about you. Like she misses you. She drew me a little picture, which I posted on my Twitter of her and I in ninja costumes playing a show together. And every time I call, she would actually talk to me, which is unusual. I witnessed this. She was very, very excited to see you on FaceTime. Yeah, that's right. You were there for one of those. It was nice to know that my daughter actually missed me, which will not be the case forever, but was the case this week. My final peach is it is an NSP related thing, which is that the Mystic Crystal video, which we've been working on for two, no, not that long, a year and a half, feels like it's two years. I think it's like close to two years in some form or another. It's probably actually longer than that if you count the song. But anyway, the video is fucking done. <gasps> and it's coming out on June 9th, 6-9, as we would say in America, or 9-6, as other people in the world would say, but that's not relevant. 6-9, it's a Wednesday. It's hump day, which was on purpose. So on hump day, 6-9, the Mystic Crystal video will be finally, finally out. And this is a project that we put so much time and effort and fans, you know, funded it. So it's a big deal to get this thing finally done. And I really, really love it. We're all very happy with it. And it's like, finally, this thing is just done. It's one of those things, like we just had a large team of people working on it. People were doing what they could. Everyone was working very hard on it, but animation, as you guys know, it takes a long fucking time. And then there are effects and post, blah, blah, blah. Took a long time and it's perfect. I love it very much. I'm happy that it is done and we can like cross it off the list and then move on to whatever the next stupid thing we make is. Fuck yeah. That's amazing. Congratulations. It feels really, really great. I think people are going to like it, but you know, you know, you guys know how this is. You're like, well, putting it out. Let's hope for the best. The animation's incredible. Has a lot of fun YouTubers that people know in it. So none of which have been revealed yet. Ooh. It's going to be a good time. That's my third peach. Amazing. So that's Peaches and Lemons. And that's also our episode for today. Simon, despite us mentioning your handles many times, where can people find you online? Do you want to plug where they can get your new merch too? Um... Oh my God, this is the thing that drove by. Was it a lorry? Isn't that what you guys say? A what? A lorry. Do you not know this word? Brian, we don't say that. <laughs> but you know that word, right? You filthy man. Sorry, do you pronounce it lorry? <laughs> we say lorry. Lorry. Okay. Anyway, people can find my cute and or disgusting animal merch at crowdmate.com slash collections slash And you can pretty much just find me by Googling NSP. If you want. Yeah, but you have to Google other stuff too, because if you just Google NSP, it won't just be you. So if you Google NSP and Simon or NSP Shucheru or whatever, but you've done a bunch of other stuff too. You did the Jonathan Young video. I did do that. Tons of stuff. I made an animation where Obama talks about pre-cum. <laughs> Good for him. Right. I did do that. Bunch of Game Grumps animated. Yes. And you have some other stuff you're doing, which is exciting. Oh, dude. I wish I could talk about it, but holy shit, yes. Yeah. Amazing. This was awesome. You are our first Danish guest, and I do appreciate you taking the time to call us from, well, not quite the other side of the world, but pretty fucking close to it. So thank you for being here and for calling in from all the way from Jutland. Well, 
Fuck you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and don't you dare have anybody else from Denmark on or I will sue. Okay, great. Perfect. That's been established. Incredible. All right, everybody at home. Thank you so much for tuning in for yet another episode of Late Night with Brian Wecht. Here's us signing off. And as usual, take care and stay safe and come hard. That's the end of the episode. Goodbye, fuckers. Bye. So professional. <laughs> Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com.